Every business should have access to high-speed internet, no matter where they are. But getting fast speeds in rural Canada hasn't always been easy, which meant less reliability, scalability, and connectivity. ExploreNet Enterprise Solutions has the network to help you do business virtually anywhere in Canada. With extensive fiber, fixed wireless, and satellite networks, we're bringing the high speeds of the big city to small towns, to tiny towns, and even no towns. No matter your business size or location, get connected today with ExploreNet Enterprise Solutions. Are you ready to clear a new path? Welcome to Clearing a New Path podcast, a space for the underrepresented voices of women entrepreneurs in rural Canada. I'm your host, Shauna Ray. Each episode, guests will speak authentic truth because it's the truth that connects us. Each one inspires us all to take up space within our own communities and within the business world, reminding us that each path can be messy and unique. Join us on the journey, clearing a new path. In 2017, after 15 years as a geologist and senior leadership professional in the energy industry, Kirsten Moore embarked on the most significant challenge of her life, gender transition. Gender transition was life-changing in many ways, as you can imagine. Kirsten's publicly authentic and vulnerable approach, though, to her transition allowed her to see how authenticity in the workplace could build connection and synergy with her colleagues. Kirsten moved from a dominant to a non-dominant group while maintaining a corporate leadership role. That meant she discovered many insights into improving equity, diversity, and inclusion in professional spaces. As she continued her corporate career, Kirsten found new motivation to engage in a more meaningful life through volunteering in the community and educating herself with a Bachelor of Psychology. Eventually, these experiences ignited a personal passion, which led Kirsten to step out of her energy industry role, continuing with a master's degree in psychology, and launch Terra Firma Transition Consulting. Kirsten is now passionate about using the unique intersection of her education, 20 years of corporate and leadership experience, and lived experience as a transgender professional to help empower organizations in creating authentic, equitable, accessible, and inclusive workplaces. In her community, Kirsten is the president of the Airdrie Pride Society, a board member of Distress Center Calgary, and a board member and publications director for the Canadian Society of Petroleum Geoscientists. Most recently, 
Kirsten was honored to be recognized by her community as Airdrie's 2020 Amazing Women in Advocacy. And she was nominated by the mayor of Airdrie for a 2020 Star of Alberta Award. Okay, Kirsten, where do you hail from? Where in rural or remote Canada are you? I am located in Airdrie, Alberta, where this morning I think it's minus 21 degrees out. So (laughs) I'm happy to not have had to go anywhere this morning. Wow. Well, let's talk about your professional journey. You are an entrepreneur now, and you weren't always an entrepreneur. So let's talk about where you started um, in your professional life and how your personal and professional life kind of intermingled. Yeah, absolutely. So it's hard to know where to start, but but I guess where I started my career was actually as a geologist. So I, I went to school for geology graduated and moved uh, immediately from Saskatchewan out out west to Alberta um, and started working in the energy industry. So I I worked as a a geologist uh, for the first kind of six or seven years, and then I transitioned into a leadership role and and kind of worked myself up through the organization. Um, So I was in that industry for about uh, just shy of 20 years uh, before uh, before I left to, to do what I'm doing today. Um, and really what, what changed that was um, at year 15 of that career, um, I navigated a gender transition or my gender transition uh, in both my professional and personal life. You know, going through that in, you know, really in the corporate sector after so many years. So I always, I always tell people I, I waited for 15 years in that industry watching really closely for somebody else to go first, somebody else to transition. I needed some kind of signal or sign of hope that uh, that it would work. Uh, because the reality was I just, I never saw me in that uh, in that world. I never saw anything that was kind of quote unquote, kind of different than different than the norm, the, the, the Calgary energy industry. And so I, for a long time, quite honestly, is, is my plan was to actually just to leave the industry. I I became so convinced that I just would not fit. There's no way that a trans woman could work downtown Calgary in the oil and gas industry. And so I actually had went back to school kind of evenings and weekends and top secretly, I say, uh, and uh, got an undergrad in psychology uh, and my plan really was was to to do what they call a parachute transition. So my plan was to kind of just walk away, kind of cold turkey from the oil and gas world, go back to grad school, and then just start kind of a, di- a different profession and a different life. Um, so that's kind of it's it's a commentary on how sure I thought I was, or how afraid I was, quite frankly, just of of being vulnerable or, or coming out in that uh, in that industry. But a couple things happened so that there was, you know, one, this realization as, as the day got closer to transitioning, uh, you know, this idea that I, I looked around at my world and, and I had so many good people in, uh, in my world. I had so many friends and, uh, and colleagues, and I got really worried that I was going to get to a point where looking back, um, I regret, I would regret not knowing kind of what, what could have happened. Um, so that was kind of going through my head. And then the second thing that happened was, um, uh, as I had kind of started building community in the, the 2S LGBTQ plus space, um, and certainly with other trans professionals, 
I was having coffee with with one individual who had become a good friend, and and uh, there's so many challenges, there's so many barriers that this community is facing, and I was starting to appreciate that. And I remember asking her, just kind of, what can I do? Like, once I get through my own my own journey, how can I help? Um, and she she can remember never forget. She kind of looked at me and smiled and. Um, and said, sometimes the best thing any of us can do is just stand up and, and have the courage to tell our story. Um, so it's kind of in that moment that I decided that I, that I wasn't going to walk away from, from the oil and gas world. Uh, I was going to see if it could work. Um, and so I did it, worked with the organization and, and planned and, and, you know, had that, had that moment or, or came out within the organization and it went relatively well. And the, the, the coolest thing that happened with respect to, I, I shared with you that I waited so long to see others go and I never saw anybody else go uh, or go through transition in that industry. Um, and I kid you not, within 30 days, within a month, I had 13 other people reach out to me uh, who had heard my story um, and were in the same situation. We're in this situation of, I don't think it's possible. I don't think I can exist. I don't know that this is going to work in uh, in kind of downtown corporate Calgary. That, you know, in, in the mo- the moment, I thought that was just cool. I remember sitting back and thinking, okay, well, I'm <laughs> I'm not that special, you know, as, lo- as alone <laughs> as I felt. I, I'm not, <laughs> there's there's many more out there just like me. Uh, many more folks going through the same thing. Um, so I continued in that. I continued in that space for, for another four years in that career. And it was, like I said, relatively good, but it also certainly opened my eyes to the challenge. I, I think one of the the unique perspectives that that a, a trans or gender diverse person has going through that is, um, like I'll use myself as an example, I, before transition, I was very much in the dominant population. You know, I was a white male presenting professional in corporate Calgary. That is not uh, uncommon. And, and uh, obviously, a lot of privilege came with that, which uh, I really came to understand how much privilege I actually had before. Um, and so when you go through transition, you you essentially go from a, you know, for me, I went from a very dominant part of society to a very non-dominant part of society overnight. And just that transition has this, this ability to really highlight kind of where, where a lot of the inequities or, or challenges are. So in the four years I was working in, in oil and gas, it, I, w- I got really involved, you know, with doing charity work or trying to build some organizations to support, uh, really, really support 2S LGBTQ plus youth. And then ultimately I just got to a point where that that's what was my passion. Um, and I realized that I could do more in that world than I could probably do as, you know, as just uh, a leader in, in the energy industry. So... Um, I chose to step away from oil and gas, and I started a, a kind of small consulting group or consulting company that uh, really at the start was really, really focused on on trans inclusion in corporate spaces. Um, so whether that's policy work or education or supporting individuals that are going through it is a, is, is my favorite part of my business. But in the last couple of years, it's really expanded into just equity, diversity, and inclusion from a more holistic perspective. So the, the business is really about using that, I always say, the intersection of my experience. So got this 20 years of corporate experience, and I was so privileged with respect to the training and leadership and all of that, that piece that I got uh, through those 20 years. 
I have the lived experience going through it. And then I'm most of my way through a, a master's in psychology right now. So I've got that, that human behavior, the people part of it. Um, so really what I'm trying to do today is kind of combine all those things uh, and really help organizations not just do performative change, but really meaningful change, like not just do an education session, but but really take it beyond the uh, the training and education. <laughs> That's how I got to where I am. The courage it must have taken on so many levels to be the first. You said you were waiting for someone else to do it, someone else to come forward, and you had the courage to do it. Mm-hmm. My husband works in oil and gas, so I'm quite familiar with how male-dominated the industry is. What was it like when you first started living authentically as yourself, meaning presenting as Kirsten uh, in your work environment that I can't imagine the first day that you had the courage to do that. Can you talk about that? It's hard to know even a word. I mean, it was absolutely terrifying to, to you know, walk in on Monday morning into this, you know, office of 2000, this tower of 2000 people for the first time. But it's, you know, it's a weird, it's kind of a strange mix of, you know, I was also, it was also this huge weight off my chest, right? I mean, it's hard to explain the, the weight of, of that hiding for, or of that, that holding back this, this critical essential part of who you are. For so many years and then being able to show up in the same pace space sorry without without that weight um is a pretty incredible feeling just just o- alone like so it it kind of offset the fear if if that makes sense i mean it was certainly um a little bit terrifying to to walk in that day but um but i was i was incredibly privileged with with certainly that the team i was managing was super supportive um, my direct leaders were really supportive. So there was a lot of people that um, were kind of holding that safety net, if that if that makes sense. So, it, you know, I felt very, very supported on that first day, even though it was um, it was terrifying. And it's one of those things I think that, you know, I don't think this is a trans thing, I think, for any of us. And I think um, it's authenticity is hard, right? I mean, it's hard to put yourself out there, uh, it, but it. It, there's so much power in it too. I mean, the, the things that I mean, it's very cliche, but the things that are hard are the things that are going to uh, be the most meaningful and, and open the most doors in your life. And it's, it's really about the leap of faith, right? I mean, that's what I learned through this journey was I had no idea how it was going to go. Uh, but those are the moments that, you know, some really cool things can happen. If you just, uh, you choose to to take the leap and not, you know, not really be sure where you're going to land, but but trust that you can figure it out wherever you do land. How important were allies in that situation? I mean, did you have conversations with close work colleagues ahead of time so that you did have that safety <clears throat> net? Yeah, absolutely. One of my my best friends and biggest supporters was was certainly a colleague at work. So she, she was kind of in the, you know, I had brought her into the the conversation a couple years. Uh, before I actually went through it at at work, um, my spouse, of course, you know, her and I have been together since high school, and we've navigated all of this together. Uh, my kids, I got two great kids, so I remember leaving that leaving that morning, and and I remember Jen's my spouse, and I remember her saying, she just gave me a hug, and she said, she's like, whatever happens, however this goes, uh, we're all here when you get home. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so it was kind of that, just that reminder, and, and it kind of built that that hierarchy of importance, you know. So and it's certainly, and that's a privilege I had, and a lot of folks don't have that. A lot of people are navigating this very much on their own. And then the last relationship that was that was really important at work was my boss, uh, who you know him and I started working together nearly close to the same time. So we had known each other for 15 years. And um, and so I'd obviously talked to him first and it's a conversation I'll never forget, right? Like, I mean, he was completely shocked, completely on his heels with it, but he couldn't have been more perfect as far as uh, supportive. It was, I always tell people it was like in that second, he went, you know, from a friend uh, or a boss kind of to my big brother. Like he was the one that was then stepping in to say, this is what we need to do for her. This is what we need to, uh, and really advocating uh, through the change. So um, anyway, to answer your question, yeah, like, I mean, allies are incredibly important. It's hard no matter how you do it, but uh, but the more people you kind of have holding that uh, that support network or that's, that net behind you makes it a bit easier. You don't live in an urban setting or a large urban center. So the community where you live perhaps may not have been as accepting. What was the reaction of your community? Yeah, it's a really great question. So Airdrie, when I went through transition, was probably, you know, probably 50 or 60,000 people. So it's, you know, big, but but relative, like you said, relatively small, hard to hard to hide in that number or that population, yeah. if, if that makes sense. Yes. And, you know, the way I talk about, we, we lived here for, um, it's kind of the same story. Like we lived here for 15 or 16 years before I actually went through transition and I never was out as me uh, in the city. Like, I was pretty terrified that that it wasn't going to be safe. It wasn't going to be inclusive and it was going to be really um, uncomfortable to be out in the community. But I think that, you know, just like just like my bias in the oil and gas world, I, I think that, you know, I had fallen into all of those stereotypes of of small town Alberta and uh, without really appreciating that, that there's tons of growth that's been happening in our society in the last 10 years um, as far as, as understanding and, and acceptance. So uh, um, I certainly won't say or wouldn't say there hasn't been tricky experiences or challenging experiences, but what I would say is they are tiny in comparison to all of the good experiences um, that I've had, you know, as I went through transition and um, all of a sudden you have to kind of reestablish all these things in your life. I have to figure out somewhere to get my hair done and I have to figure out somewhere to get my winter tires changed and I have to, you know, figure out where to to get groceries and where's going to be safe. And I can say just the the trick really through it was was just the vulnerability piece, I think, is you know, I'd reach out to people and say, you know, I'm I'm nervous, I'm worried, I'm I'm scared. I like I I and that the vulnerability, I think, is just all of our best, you know, the, the best tool that all of us have, because, you know, at our core, most people want to be kind and most people want to help those around them. And if we are all just more vulnerable about those things that uh, that are challenging or, or that we're afraid of, I, I think we'd, we'd all be surprised at how many people are are really willing to uh, to step in. The last few years in Airdrie, I mean, has just been... They have gotten really, really involved. Started uh, was part of starting Air, Air, the Airdrie Pride Society, and 
did all built all these supports and networks in the community, you know, and then was was nominated and and voted for an amazing woman award in 2020 in this community that I thought was, you know, was, you know, that small town redneck and all the things that we tell ourselves. So I I just think it's, it's, I mean, if, if anybody had told me any of this would have happened five years ago, I would have, you know, I would have (laughs) thought you were bonkers. You mentioned your spouse and your children and this all must have been challenging for them uh, living in a community. And I can't imagine what goes through your head as you want to be authentically yourself and live who you are, and yet you want to protect your children and your spouse from the outside world that may not understand. How did you, how was that journey? How did you navigate that? Without a doubt. I mean, as we move towards transition, um, my biggest, our biggest for Jen and I, like the biggest concern was absolutely the kids is, um, you know, I, I started to worry about, you know, is this just in general going to, I'm going to screw my kids up, you know, that classic thing parents yeah. tell themselves. Um, and, and so there was, there was that aspect, but then there's also, like you said, just how do you, how do you protect them from, you know, I worried about, you know, are their friends not going to be allowed to come over anymore? Are they going to get teased at school? Are they going to get, um, because sometimes school can be, well, often school can be challenging. You know, obviously it doesn't take a lot to to stick out and for people to, 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 to bully or to jump on things that are different about you. Certainly that was a worry um, for Jen and I. Jen and I had done so much and, and, you know, we had, spent so many years kind of working on it together that that her and I were in a pretty good and confident place I think with respect to to putting ourselves out uh into the world uh after transition but uh but it's still challenging it was still challenging I I think that we you you could almost I don't know end up or 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 yeah end up in this kind of state of paralysis almost because there's so many things that you could uh, or that you are worrying about, but going back to the the kind of vulnerability or authenticity theme, I mean the the lesson that I've that that certainly all of us have had, not just just me, is uh, um, when we kind of came out as a family, we didn't we say we didn't hide any of it. We didn't hide the struggle. We didn't hide the challenge. We didn't hide that we were terrified about you know about this uh, going forward. All and and really just said that that we know this is something we need to do um, and we're just going to jump and hope that, that we land somewhere safe. Um, and I think that approach, just that vulnerable approach is what really pulled, pulled people in. Like Brene Brown says it all the time. And, you know, we did the experiment of that whole idea of, of vulnerability opens this door for vulnerability. Um, and that's hundred percent what we saw. And so we did our best to, to kind of prepare kids. We, uh, met with their teachers and the school just to make sure that they had lots of kind of eyes just watching out and, and support. But the reality is, is that when we went through it, any negative was just absolutely drowned out. It was like a tidal wave of positive. So we didn't even really hear the bad stuff. We didn't, you know, it just wasn't a big deal for anything negative. There was 20 things that were positive. Um, and I think with respect to kids, the, the you know, the biggest lesson is, 
kids are the easiest. That's not the generation we need to, you know, we need to, we need to change their beliefs. I mean, it's, I think that there's this, this aspect that we don't, there's so much we don't have to untrain with kids. Um, so they, you know, when their friends asked them or they talked about it, it was, it was a very kind of blunt, just very quick conversation. It was, you know, this is who she is. And, you know, we call her Didi now instead of daddy. And, and that was it. Right. And they didn't have any challenges. And then in the years since with, you know, with respect to the worry about friends and things, um, it's again, it's been completely opposite. We have, you know, their friends are still coming and we've had conversations at times with, with parents of their friends who say, thank you. Like, thank you for giving us, giving our kid exposure to something that isn't the, you know, the binary norm that, that society is trying to teach everybody. So yeah, it's been quite, quite the opposite uh, impact. And I, I think that as much as I worried about screwing my kids up, <laughs> if that makes <laughs> sense, um, I look yeah. at them now and that they're, I think they're both, they're both orders of magnitude stronger for it. They're, my daughter is a little advocate and, you know, they're the, they're the kids that the, the, the kid who's getting left out go to, you know, I just think they, they see value and diversity and they see, they just see such a, a more holistic picture of, of people, which, you know, looking, looking at it now, thinking it was, it was a great gift, I think. I think um, people in rural communities, and you mentioned that we don't have to worry about the young people. And I, I so agree because their judgment comes from older generations in my view. Uh, and yeah. in small communities, they're so close knit and yet maybe they just don't have the exposure. I'm going to have empathy and say they don't yeah. have the exposure to things that are more diverse. And so the ignorance yeah. is what breeds the, you know, comments and the stares and, and the negative. So with that yeah. in mind, and, and rather than ask people to educate themselves, what questions shouldn't people ask a trans person? And, and I mean, you know, I, I imagine you get lots of questions that you think, uh, really? <laughs> so maybe we could start with yeah. that, with, you know, don't ask a trans person this. Yeah, I think that, I mean, the very first thing I would say that I always say to people is, is it's, it's nobody's job to, to educate you. So just it's, it's being careful that you just in general, you don't make that assumption. And a really good rule that, that I always say is, is, um, you know, it comes up all the time. And if, if somebody's going through transition and somebody in their life, you know, whether it's a boss or a relative or whoever, they'll always ask me the questions and they're like, how, how do I support this person? How do I, um, make sure that that they know they're supported. And I always I have this thing that, that I always say, I always say, you know, check in if, if somebody in your life's going through it, or you know, somebody, it's I always say check in on the, the person, not the process. So it's like, don't don't hyper focus on the fact that they're transitioning and that they're doing all this thing. And did you have surgery and all those sorts of things? Just check in on the person. Um, how are you doing? Are you doing okay? Do you have support? Um, are you getting enough sleep? You know, are you eating well? You know, all those sorts of things. What I think happens if if you're checking in on the person and you're not, you know, hyper focusing on on kind of the 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 trans part of of this journey, that person will share if they need and or want to. Um, 
but it creates, it just leaves that in their control. I think it is totally okay to ask questions, but I think that you need to ask permission to ask questions. So I, I think that, uh, you know, that you need to respect that somebody might not want to talk about it all the time, depending on what's happened for them that day or that evening or that week. Um, they might just be in a place where, uh, where they don't want to. Um, and I think another perspective to share is, is just keeping in mind that, you know, if it's somebody in your life and, you know, that, that's going through it, it's new to you for sure. Like they have come out and, and this is all new and you want to be supportive and you want to jump in and, and help where you can. It's just keeping some perspective that, that for them, this is like 20 years in the making. This is 30 years in the making. This is, you know, this isn't new to them. Um, and the coming out piece for them is really this this moment to to almost just come out and quit thinking about it as much, if that makes sense. Um, so the the last thing I think that 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 many want is for the the bombardment of questions that that come after. It's like I've I've shared my story and now I just want to be. You know, I used to always say people would ask me, they would say what were you looking forward to the most? Like what, what aspect of this were you most excited about to kind of get through transition and, and come out? And I, I always used to say it's, I said, I, I can't wait to put my hair in a ponytail and go and get groceries on a Sunday. Like, I just want to do something normal. I just, you know what I mean? Like it, it wasn't about, I, I don't want to go on speaking tours. I don't want to... <laughs> You know, I really just, I just want to exist. I want to take my kids to, you know, to music class um, and not think about what I'm wearing. I just want to be able to walk out of the house um, as me. So um, sharing that just for for some context, like this isn't, it, I appreciate that it can seem big and it can seem huge to somebody, you know, looking in from the outside, but it's really working or looking to support that person to just, to find, you know, their authentic self once they've, uh, once they've come out. It's really no one's business, you know, what people struggle with, because we just don't know that. And it doesn't matter <clears throat> yeah. whether they're transitioning or they're, they're transitioning a job or transitioning in some other type, yeah. you know, part of their life. I think as little judgment as you can... <laughs> for one another in general is is always the best rule of thumb. Uh, it's difficult sometimes, but yeah, um, <clears throat> people don't understand, so they make up what they don't know. Or, you know, or we're just, I mean, certainly in the trans community, many other communities or any and many other kind of minority minority communities is, um, is where we've all been socialized. We've all built categories and we've built understandings of yeah. what it means to be Asian or what it means to be indigenous or what it means to be trans. And I think it's exactly what you said earlier. If you don't have any exposure to kind of quote unquote real people um, who this is impacting or, or who are living these identities, um, then it's really hard to break yourself out of those, those categories that, that we've built. Uh, and one other thing you said, I, I think is so impactful. The very first thing I always say when I, when I share my story is um, I really don't think, like I always say, the biggest thing I learned going through everything that I've went through 
uh, is that this was never about being trans. Like I, I, this is this is about authenticity. This is about bringing all of ourselves to the world. So I always kind of joke. I, I say like the, the trans community doesn't have the patent on authenticity. I, I think that 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 challenge of of putting ourselves out there and and breaking down that facade that we all build around ourselves to try and you know be what others expect or or be you know work or professional or, or whatever that looks like. Um, I think that impacts all of us. Um, so I always say I'm, I'm not, a, I, I don't see myself as a trans advocate. I see myself as, um, as an authenticity advocate. Cause I, I, that was the biggest lesson is, is when I came out and then people shared really vulnerably back with me, um, they would say, I support you. And if you need help, you know, let me know. Um, and so many people would then follow that conversation with something that they had been struggling with uh, for the last 15 years that I didn't know about. Uh, and so it was really this lesson in, you know, in how how much we don't know about everyone around us. Um, and it's kind of that choose kindness thing, right? I mean, you don't have to understand what somebody is going through or what somebody has been through to be a kind person. <laughs> And I think that I always, you know, I finish that talk always saying, I, I think the challenge is for us to, to, to quit focusing on, on what authenticity looks like um, and start celebrating in each other that, that journey for you or, or anybody just to bring their, the, their entire selves, I guess, to the, um, to the world. Like what a, what a cool world we want to live in <laughs> or, or that would be to live in. And you know what? I think that's an awesome place to end. I really appreciate your time today. I could talk to you for hours, literally, but I really appreciate your time today, Kirsten, and uh, all the best to you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me uh, on your show. this episode, please subscribe, rate it, and leave a review. It really helps others find us. Clearing a New Path podcast artwork is supported by the graphic design of Katie Wilhelm, and the music branding is by Imagine a Dev Studios. The podcast is produced by Radar Media in Temp Centre, Ontario. It is the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, Haudenosaunee, and neutral peoples who once used this land as their traditional beaver hunting grounds. The First Nations communities closest to this studio are Chippewa of the Thames First Nation, Oneida Nation of the Thames, Muncie, Delaware First Nation, and the Chippewas of Kettle and Stony Point. We will speak to many people across Turtle Island, and as a settler here, I'm committed to deepening understanding of Indigenous communities and reframing responsibilities to land and community. I am grateful to Mother Earth for the opportunity for love and connection, and to the spirits of the elders and the medicine people who still walk the earth. Until next time. <laughs>